still got one minute. I'm waiting, just so you know. I tell our prayer meeting group, I don't ever like to start early because then somebody can be right on time and feel like they're, what, they're late. And so we're going to give it just one more minute. It's a busy morning, and we're excited to have the opportunity to be here. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And today, this holy place will be even more holy. As in just a few moments, we will invite all baptized believers to share from our Lord's table. And you'll hold a piece of bread in your hand and we will tell you that it is the body of Christ. And you'll hold a cup in your hand and we'll tell you it is the blood of Jesus Christ. And as we share Holy Communion, we will be reminded that two Sundays from this Sunday, is Easter. We've got to get through the week of the Passion, and we want to invite you to the Monday Thursday service that we'll have the Thursday before on the 18th to come and join us for a time of reading the scriptures and singing some of the hymns that remind us of what Christ did for us. And then we'll have a brand new schedule. I hope everyone uh, has looked in your bulletin and has a copy of that schedule that will begin at 6.45 on Easter Sunday with a sunrise service in our cemetery. We'll have breakfast and fellowship time at 7.15, Sunday school at 8 o'clock, and worship at 9.15. And uh, back to that breakfast, we need casseroles, okay? I love the story about the three little guys that were at school and they were told to bring something that reminded them of their faith and the, the little Catholic boy brought a rosary, the little Jewish boy brought the Star of David and the little Baptist boy brought a casserole, okay? <laughs> so uh, we need breakfast casseroles on uh, Easter Sunday morning. We do that because that requires hardly anybody to miss the sunrise service to get ready for breakfast. So by you doing that, you're freeing someone up. We've got a sign-up sheet over here uh, in our atrium. We'd ask you to do that and help us with that. And, uh, and it was wonderful last year. Thank you for all who brought it last year. You'll also notice that this is the food roundup for the children's home. We're celebrating that and we're receiving cards. If you want to uh, bring a, a gift card, we've got a spot that we can receive those to help those uh, who are in 
difficult places in their family, children especially, and Baptists have, uh, as long as I've been alive, been ministering there, and this is a wonderful opportunity for you to do that. A couple of, I hope you'll read the opportunities of the week. There are many things going on there, uh, and you just be involved. I would remind those uh, that are on the leadership team of the 410 Project that we meet tomorrow night at 7, and then those that have been helping with the cooking on Wednesday nights, we're going to have a meeting this Tuesday night. We've met once, and this will be our time to determine how things look going forward. So if you want to be a part of that, join us in the fellowship hall this Tuesday at 7 p.m. You'll also notice in your bulletin that uh, there are just many opportunities. You notice the Easter egg hunt. Uh, you'll notice that there's a, a mission opportunity in July to go to Kentucky. Uh, I hope you've been reading the Sunday School tidbits that Debbie has been providing as we're looking forward to April the 28th, our high attendance Sunday. We are excited about that opportunity to reach out to our community in two ways. One is to inactive members, okay? Folks that, uh, you know, in every Baptist church, folks will come for a while and for whatever reason, they end up kind of falling through the cracks. And we don't want that to happen. This is an opportunity every year to go out and contact those folks and tell them you need them on the 28th to, to fill your classroom up. And then also all the wonderful opportunity to invite you people to come and be a part of Sunday School. And in that vein, I'd like to ask John Quiggle if he would to come now and share the importance of Sunday School in his life. Six weeks ago, Debbie McFarland asked me if I would be willing to speak on a Sabbath. So in my thinking about it, I started putting notes down on April the 5th. So this is relatively, I waited the last minute, but I got to thinking, why do I enjoy Sunday school and what is, why is it important to me? And it really goes back to two things. It creates good memories and good friends. And like most folks, I started out going to Sunday school. My parents brought me here. And it was in this room right back here. A lot of you that are my age or older probably remember the, I remember the cartoon carpet that was in there. And the teachers were Lona and Viola Westmoreland. And I don't remember if I learned a lot other than I better behave in there. Um, but there's been a lot of memorable teachers that I've had along the way. Um, Greg Light, uh, Daryl Ammons. And then some of our current ones were Kevin Schoolcraft, Brad Bavare, and Mark Luck. When you grow up in this small community and you go to this church, you, you again, you become friends with the people you go to church with. And they, they continue on through the years, that friend, those friendships and what you learn in church. Well, like most folks, you go off to college and, you know, Sunday school's pretty early. It's hard to get, get back. When you come home, you want to sleep in. But as I grew older and had kids, it became more and more important to bring our children to church and Sunday school. And that's when it really became important to me and I, I really enjoyed coming. Um, but the class that really started it for me was our Facing Life class. And for those that knew Greg Light, he was a smart individual. He really started to convey the material in a way that made sense. And it, it, sometimes that's hard to do, but he knew what he was talking about and, and related it in a way that 
you know, it brought it into here and you were able to, to work with the sermons that were being preached. Well, then I was asked if I wanted to be the Sunday school, help, help me the assistant Sunday school director. And I said, I don't think so. You know, I, I don't have a clue what I'm doing there. And I said, don't worry, just follow my lead and I'll teach you what you gotta do. I agreed. Well, then we went through a little tough time, church split, and so did the Sunday school director. So the assistant stepped right up, which is me. I didn't know what I was doing, but I did learn a lot about the inner workings of Sunday school, how it worked, and it, it, it became even more important to me to get folks here for high attendance Sunday. That's, that's something that I think is real important. Those in our Sunday school class will test, I want to win that banner. And when those kids won it last year, it made me so mad. <laughs> so we're getting it back this year. <laughs> but I, I learned a lot, but I missed my class. You, know, you spend a lot of every Sunday morning in the office doing important jobs, but you miss the folks that you're in class with. So I went back to, to, the, to my class for a year or two, and then I was asked to teach a Sunday school class, start a new class. Well, I ruined that class because I'm not much of a teacher. I'm more of a listener, but it was fine. That class is doing well, I think. Luann has is is continued on with that. But I did transition to helping out in the Sunday school office. I know Stephanie loves it when I'm in there. <laughs> but, but these are all important jobs, but really what I missed is being in my class and being in there and getting here at 9.45. And there's a few folks in our class that don't know what time. It starts at 9.45, Anna. <laughs> Not 10. But I enjoy being in there. It's a lot of fun. We enjoy what we do together. We've, we've all become a good close, have good close friendship. But Mark and, and Brad teach our lessons in a way that we learn stuff. And, and there's historical things that we learn that have happened, you know, that, that supplement what Gary preached about. Maybe not on the same Sunday, but it does start to click over time. But as you tend to, to be closer with these people, you do things socially with them, but you're around people that you go to church with. And it, it, it really does make you closer to, to, to God and your walk with God. And, it, and the people that you, you spend time with are going to be there for you for a the, for the long time, like your church is. So, yeah, I really wouldn't probably have that without Sunday school. And I think it's, 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 a, it's a great thing. It's, it's something that I've really enjoyed, and I, and I hope other folks take advantage of it, and I think it would be good for you to, to attend. Thank you. Thank you, John. As we pray, there are many who need our prayers in a special way. Daryl Ammons has recuperated from surgery. Bill Beauvert came home yesterday. He too is recuperating from surgery. Uh, Joe Schaub is still at uh, Moore Regional. We believe that he'll be coming home possibly today. They're trying to get some fluid out so he can breathe better and we want to keep him lifted up. We've added Amy Godwin who is home recuperating from an acute uh, disease that hit her very hard and we are hopeful that she is getting better every day. Harry Hagler is still uh, undergoing some testing and we want to keep him lifted up. Richard McFarland will be having some procedures for his hip. And I do want to thank you for your prayers for my daughter, Becky. Uh, she is, we did get a good word yesterday that we don't think 
this is anything that she will not recover from on her pancreas, and that was wonderful news. We were excited to hear that. And she will be coming home probably today or tomorrow as well. And Anthony Harrington is at the hospital at Duke Raleigh, and we want to keep Anthony lifted up. Saw him yesterday. Anthony needs our prayers. gathered in this place in his name to worship him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, would you help us for just a moment to stop it? To just stop it. To stop all the thoughts that distract us from encountering you in a life-changing way, to stop it from running that tape of whatever might be challenging us right now, that it just drones out everything else and all we can do is think about that because we know all, all these are tricks the devil will use to rob us of encountering you in a powerful and life-changing way. And our goal today is Heavenly Father, that we would be still and know that you are our God. Would you take these next few moments and allow us to focus upon you, to focus upon your will for our life, to focus upon the areas of our life, whether it be the busyness, or the distractions, or the frustrations, or the disabilities of living in bodies made of clay. And may we know that you created us down here to live with you eternally. And may we recognize, Lord, that as we are passing through on the journey we call life on this earth, that it is just the beginning place. And help us not to become too focused on the beginning that we don't move forward in our faith and our walk with you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with Taylor as she is bringing the message at her home church as they honor her father for 20 years of service. And pray that you would use her to speak boldly into the life of that congregation. And Lord, as we commit ourselves even now to hear your voice, we pray that you might indeed make the bread more significant as we hold it in our hands than it's ever been before, and the cup more powerful than it's ever been before, that we might recognize and realize your presence as we thank you that the cross was not too heavy and that the pain of the cross was not too much and that even death you were willing to die that we might have life and have it abundantly and have it eternally wow in your name we pray.
Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for being able to come here to hear your word today. Father, I ask that through Gary you will bring the words that you want us to hear. Remind us of the season as we sing here today about breaking bread. Father, let us remember the meaning of that. Father, I ask that you might be with those that are sick that need your healing hand. We ask that you bless these tithes, these offerings to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Good morning, boys and girls. Morning. I'm excited I get to see you guys again up here. I brought my suitcase today. I'm not going anywhere today, but when I have to go on a trip for work or if I have to go on a fun trip, I have to prepare and I have to pack. So if I'm going to the beach, I pack my flip-flops, some clothes, my bathing suit, my bag full of goodies, toothbrush, brush, some lotion. So I have to prepare. I have to look at the weather and see what the weather's going to be like wherever I go. And I have to pack my bag, right? Sometimes I do that way in advance of going somewhere. Sometimes I do it last minute. Do you guys ever prepare to go on a trip? Do you pack your bag and decide what outfits you're going to wear? Yeah. If you're going to take any toys? Yeah? That's good. You are? Very cool. We are going to go to the beach for the Jack's birthday. That's awesome. I love to go to the beach. You are. Don't forget your bathing suit. Okay. Today, Pastor Gary is going to talk about Jesus preparing to do something really hard. Over the next few weeks, we'll be talking about this journey leading up to that thing that he had to do that was so hard. And thinking about preparing for Easter, which is in a couple of weeks, I want to talk with you about some of the ways you can begin to prepare to celebrate this special day. First, you can be thankful to Jesus that he loves us. And then you can be excited to come to church and learn more all about that and listen to Mommy and Daddy when they try to get you ready to come to church. And last, you can put on your listening ears when you're at Sunday school or listening to Pastor Gary because he's going to tell us all about how Jesus had to prepare for that really hard thing that he had to do. And then you can learn more about Jesus. Thank you guys for listening. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you that in just a few short weeks, we'll be celebrating Easter and the sacrifice that your son made for each of us. Please help us to remember our lesson today so that we can also be prepared to celebrate. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you, choir, for that powerful reminder of this special table. In Baptist life, we celebrate two ordinances, the ordinance of baptism. And Baptists believe that baptism is by immersion. The Greek word baptisto means to immerse. And so that is our mode of baptism. And we also share what we call a believer's baptism, that one's entry into the church is via baptism. That when one understands that they have made their profession of faith in Jesus Christ for the remission and forgiveness of their sins and want to make him the Lord of their life, then they are baptized. And so I always say we invite those baptized believers to come and share from the second ordinance, the Lord's table. When you think about it, it makes no sense to hold the elements of our faith in your hands, the broken body and shed blood, until you first understand that you are a part of the kingdom of God. And so, as we share in this ordinance today, I'm excited that in a few weeks we'll share our second ordinance, baptism, or I guess technically our first ordinance, baptism. But today, we come to the table. I want you to take a moment as Tom and I will be unfolding the cover that covers the Holy Communion, that you would prepare yourself. You see, we don't want to take this meal lightly. We don't want to come to this moment without really recognizing its significance and the truth that it teaches that eternity is your home because Christ died on the cross. He broke his body and he shed his blood that we might be forgiven, that we might be recorded in the Lamb's book of life for all eternity. And so now, share with us. And, and one more thing. It's a wonderful opportunity, moms, dads, grandmamas, granddaddies, for those little ones who may not have been into the baptismal waters, for us to have that conversation about what it means. And how old are they to start talking about that? At birth. At birth. Sing the songs of the faith in lullabies, tell them the story of Jesus all their life, and trust the Holy Spirit at the right time to bring that to fruition. And now we invite you to communion. As we move through Easter, today we're going to talk about Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. 
We know next Sunday will be the entry into Jerusalem. The next week we call the week of passion, where Jesus will teach in Jerusalem every day. He'll retreat to Bethany at night, but then he will return. And on Thursday night, he'll gather the Monday Thursday service. He'll gather with his disciples, and they'll share a meal that the Jewish people call Passover, when they remember the death angel passing over the children of Israel who were in the house that was marked by the blood of the Lamb. And Jesus will do the first communion, tying the passing of the death angel for those under the blood of the Lamb. When he takes a cup and he says, this is my blood, place it on your doorpost that when the death angel comes, you shall live forever. And then I can't wait till on the 21st we gather and meet one another with the power that this meal brings to reality. And when we greet one another with he is risen, he is risen indeed. As we move through this whole process, it is a wonderful time and I think an imperative time for we who are believers to focus ourselves afresh and anew upon our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. We now come to observe the ordinance of the Lord's Supper given to us to celebrate in memory of his broken body and his shed blood. He said it on the night before he was betrayed, at the conclusion of the feast of the Passover, which he and his disciples were celebrating, he took bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, this is my body. I give it up for you. Would you pray with me? Lord, as we hold this piece of bread in our hands may we hold you dearly in our heart in Jesus name
to tie again the children of Israel being saved from the death angel and then being provided for in the wilderness as they were to receive manna each day to keep them alive physically we find these words this is the bread which came down out of heaven not as the fathers in the wilderness ate and then died he that eateth this bread this holy bread shall live forever and on that same night our Lord took a cup many believe it was probably the cup for the prophet Elijah because during Passover you would always set a place for that prophet and you would fill that plate with the Seder meal and you would fill the four cups with the wine as you celebrated that maybe it was that prophetic cup that Jesus took and he gave it to his disciples saying these words this is my blood I pour it out for you would you pray with me Heavenly Father in just a moment we will hold in our hands a cup of the fruit of the vine we are mindful that you have been at work in your world since you created it and you're at work in your world today and as we hold this cup and prepare our hearts our minds our all in all for the coming of the next few weeks as we prepare for Easter for the resurrection we must first go by way of the cross and the blood that was poured out on Calvary's tree was poured out for me and the nails that held you to that cross were put there because of my sin and I am truly sorry I am so sorry please forgive me that my sin caused you to die on Calvary's tree and Lord, as I hold this cup, may I be mindful and hear your words as our choir sang, there's room at your table of peace and hope and love. For it is in Jesus' name we offer this prayer.
how beautiful Jesus came to earth. And according to the law, I may almost say that all things are cleansed by the shedding of blood. And apart from the shedding of blood, there is no remission, there is no forgiveness. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, our Lord, cleanseth us from all unrighteousness. Our worship will continue today. Have you ever noticed, if you have a red letter edition of the Bible, that the words of Jesus are written in red? Those words, are make it, they make it easy for us to see. But from now on, when you see those words, remember the message of the blood of Christ, for truly his love was written in red.
Open your Bibles with me to Luke's Gospel, the ninth chapter. Thank you, Kathy, for that beautiful song. Worship's been good today. Thank you, John, for sharing the importance of Sunday school, which is Bible study. Us doing what God called us to do, to study his word. Thank you to the deacons who taking their role biblically as servants today to serve you this most precious meal. And now as we turn our face toward our text, I want to mention two other prayer needs that I did not mention earlier. Uh, Brian Bovere called and his, he has, I guess, a nephew, a family member, a newborn. His name is Anthony and he is very critically ill just, I think, three days old, and he asked that we pray for him. And I want you to remember Betty Lou uh, in your thoughts and prayers. There's going to be some transitioning in her world, and we just need to be remembering her as well. If you're able, let me invite you to stand for this portion of the reading of the gospel. I wished I had an hour. If y'all give me an hour, I'll take it. I didn't hear one amen. Okay. That's okay, I understand, but 
This is one of the reasons I want to remind us we've got to study God's Word, not just read it. Because I want to promise you, if the Holy Spirit's here as I believe and since He is, He's going to point out the significance of two verses that you might well have just read over and never really saw the significance within them. So it's important that we study to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth, a workman who needs not to be ashamed. The passage is found in Luke's Gospel, the ninth chapter. It's only in Luke's Gospel. It's a pivotal point in the midst of the Gospel. For the next ten chapters, we're going to find the mission of Christ as he sees it in the midst of his ministry. And we read these words beginning in the 51st verse. When the days drew near... Other translations, and I think maybe even better say, the days were fulfilled. For him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. He set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of Samaritans to make preparation for him to spend the night. But the people did not receive him because his face was set to go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Aren't, you, aren't we glad the disciples weren't in charge? <laughs> but he turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another village. Verse 56, and they went on to another village. The most significant verses or, and they went on to another village, and he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, our time is limited, but we have worshiped well. May we end well as we hear your voice through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Yogi Berra. Everybody knows Yogi Berra, right? You know, he's a catcher. But he's not even noted anymore for being a catcher for the Yankees. He was noted for his yogiisms. How many of you ever heard of a yogiism? He says, nobody goes to a restaurant anymore. They're way too crowded. Just think about that for a minute. If nobody's going. Well, y'all need to stay with me. I know. Put your watch down. We're going to be okay. If people don't want to come to the ballpark, nobody's going to stop them. Y'all aren't enjoying this nearly as much as I hoped you would. Someone asked Yogi what time it is. He says, you mean now? <laughs> Yogi was asked what his philosophy of life, and this is maybe his most famous quote. He says, when you come to a fork in the road, take it, okay? Take it. I love these two. He says, I don't want to make the wrong mistake. <laughs> That's probably pretty true. And you can learn, you can see a lot. By watching, but the reason I gave you those quotes is because of this last one. And this one has, it's funny, but it also has some real theological meaning. If you don't know where you're going, you'll end up somewhere else. If you don't know where you're going, you'll end up somewhere else. What would you hope next Sunday when you gather back in this worship place or wherever the Lord might lead you to worship? What would you like to have said, Lord? This was the plan last Sunday, and this is how I carried it out. And I bring it to you in the invocation of worship to say, Lord, these are the, the talents that you entrusted to me. 
and I'm bringing them back to you with a return, with an investment on what you gave me. I want us to look very quickly at Jesus being focused on the task at hand. I believe many Christians, we're not focused. But Jesus, his focus was determined. From 9 to 19, his focus is on Jerusalem. I told you that the other Gospels don't do this. But just to show you, in Luke 10, 38, now we just read 9, 51. Twice he says he set his face to go to Jerusalem. In 10, 38, he says, and now they went on their way. Jesus entered the village, the next village. In 13, 22, he says, and he went on his way through towns and village, teaching as he was journeying toward Jerusalem. In Luke 13, 33, he says, nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. In Luke 17, 11, he says, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing through Samaria and Galilee. In Luke 18, 31, he says, in taking the 12, he said, see, we are going to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. And then in Luke 19, 28, and when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Do you see the focus that Jesus had on going to Jerusalem? My question is, what's our focus? Are we ready to accomplish what God wants us to do? Jesus did many things while he was going. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He taught. He shared some of his greatest parables. But his idea was to go to Jerusalem. Now, I think the kids are probably going to hear what I have to say right now because I don't want you to go to work tomorrow and I don't want you to go to school tomorrow. Can I get an amen? Okay, I don't want you to go to school tomorrow. I don't want you to go to work tomorrow. But what I do want you to do is to rise up in the morning and say today, God, I want to go with you. And if that takes you to work, and I believe it will. And if that takes you to school, and I believe it will. But I don't want you to go with the idea that you are going to school are going to work, are going about your life. I want you to set your face that you're going with Jesus as you go. Jesus not only was determined, he was also not deterred. If I had time, I could read you stories of folks that were paralyzed by polio or by accidents that went on to be Olympic champions because they did not let their current circumstances throw them away. Woodrow Wilson didn't learn to read until he was 10 years old, but he became the 28th president of the United States. Lou Gehrig was never chosen in pickup games because they said he wasn't much of a baseball player, but he's recorded now in the Hall of Fame of the Major League Baseball. He wasn't deterred even though the Samaritans didn't like Jews, especially Jews when they asked, why were you coming? He sent the disciples ahead to get ready. You don't want to walk into a little village and say, we've got an entourage here of 13, 18, 25 people. You want to give them some heads up. They say, why are you coming? They say, we're on our way to Jerusalem. That's what the master said. They say, we don't like Jews going to Jerusalem through our town. That could have deterred him, couldn't it? But he wasn't deterred. The world traveling around us, if you say today, I want to live for Jesus, they're going to say, we don't like that. We don't want you to do that. We don't like folks around here doing that kind of stuff. Do it anyway. Don't be deterred. And finally this morning, I want you to recognize Jesus was not discouraged. 
He was not deterred. He was determined. And finally, he was not discouraged. Jesus could have been discouraged in two ways in this text. He could have been discouraged by the Samaritans who said, we don't want you. And he could have been discouraged by his disciples who obviously didn't get what he was about to do. What discourages you? You see, discouragement will change your focus, won't it? Well, that Sunday school lesson today, that sermon today, things went wrong at work, things went wrong at the house, and I'm just discouraged. And because I'm discouraged, I don't think I'll try too hard to serve the Lord anymore. That sounds strange when you hear it, doesn't it? But yet I've heard that very story from people. Haven't you heard that story? Why don't you come to church anymore? I got discouraged at church. I got discouraged when so-and-so said so-and-so. I got discouraged when I thought this was going to happen and this happened. I got discouraged. Why don't you go to church anymore? I, I get discouraged. I get up every morning and nobody in the family wants to go to church. They, hey, it's just a big ordeal and I'm just discouraged. Why don't you go to church today? I had a hard week. It was discouraging. Jesus could have been discouraged. Aren't you glad he wasn't? Aren't we glad Jesus didn't get discouraged? He knew how you and I are. He knew how Gary was. He knew that he met me when I was 12 and I gave my life to him. But he knew what a knucklehead I was going to be. Don't get discouraged. I love what it says when they said, you're not welcome we don't want you. And the disciples, you can tell the disciples were discouraged. They wanted to bring down fire. But what did Jesus do? Listen to what Jesus did. He went to another village. What did he do? He kept on going. Why? Because he had set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he wasn't going to be discouraged. He wasn't going to be deterred. Why? Because he was determined. What would happen in our community if we were determined to serve our Lord this week. If we were determined wherever life may take us to go with Him, to set our face to do what God would have us to do. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your presence and your power in our world. And Lord, sometimes it's discouraging. Sometimes the preacher discourages us for giving. Sometimes the church leadership discourages us. Forgive us. Sometimes, Lord, just life discourages us. And the devil's saying, man, the way you feel, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't, get, I wouldn't keep on doing that. I'd stop. I'd just quit. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Oh, may that be our prayer as we set our face to go with you. Lord, may we never forget that our salvation was written in red. And the holy communion we've just partaken of, may we taste the juice and the bread all week. And may we walk in our faith as you guide and direct us. Decisions need to be made for you this day. You know what they are. May we set our face to be faithful to you. 
In the holy name of Christ we pray. Amen. Our hymn of decision is page 375. A parting hymn we sing. Oh, what a wonderful day of worship. What has God said? And now how will we respond to what God has said as we stand together? don't you? Our Lord departed from the upper room to the garden of Gethsemane. There he would be arrested, tried, sentenced to death, led out of the city of Jerusalem where he set his face to the hill called Golgotha. There he would be crucified. They'd take down his body and place it in a barred tomb. And that was on Friday, the first day. And then Saturday, the second day. And then on the first day of the week, the women came to anoint his body. And the stone was rolled away. And an angel, whoo, sat on the stone. <laughs> and said, why do you seek the living among the dead? Come see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead. Wow. That's what we preach. That's what we believe. That's how we set our face this week. And now as we leave this place, may we do so in God's peace and in his power and in his abiding presence that we might be his people who have set our face to serve him of all his people. Would you pray with me? God, go with us from here into the world that needs to know you have risen from the dead and you are Lord. For it is in the strong and the holy name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen.